One of my favorite verses about Mary's life is that she stored up and pondered all of these things in her heart. So, Lord, let it be true of us that we ponder, that we store up and ponder the things that you are doing in our life and the things that you've already done. May it be said of us. It's interesting. Uh, the one thing that I love about Advent as we rest here on the fourth Sunday of Advent is that we are so encouraged to slow down, to wait, to pay attention, to be aware, because we are people that are in a hurry. We seem to be in a rush. Um, I want to believe that the older I get, I slow down a little bit just because I kind of have to. But, um, you know, we're just people that are in a hurry. And uh, we, when we're younger, we see, it seems like we wish that time would speed up, right? Like when you're really young, you're waiting for your next birthday. And then as you get older, you start to not even want to talk about your birthday. You want things to slow down when you get older. But that's how we are because I think that it's important during this season and certainly on this Sunday as we head into the celebration of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the celebration of Christ's birth, that we notice. The thing that's important about noticing, or probably one of the most important things about our noticing, is we ask questions that are important if we're paying attention well. And one of the questions, and maybe one of the most important questions, is what matters most. And I think in, uh, instinctually, we all would just sense that love matters most. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a couple of minutes today. In a word, love, um, or as Stacy said uh, about the virtue of Jesus, virtuous love. That's what I want to talk to you about, the kind of love as we slow down on this day and pay attention to the love of God for us and wanting to flow through us. In 1 John, and I love uh, the book of John, uh, the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John, it is said by many, was the youngest disciple. Uh, when he was traveling around with Jesus, it was very likely that he was a teenager. Uh, in his teens, it's somewhere in there in his life. And then he writes 1 John decades later, literally. So he has lived kind of the hurry part of his life. And now he's at the part of his life where he begins to slow down. And this is what John says in 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes for God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. God sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, it's easy. Some things are easy to love, aren't they? It's easy to understand uh, why we love certain things because some things are lovable, right? Like, I think most of us that live in this part of the world or this part of the country would say that we love 
the Great Lakes, or we love the coast of Lake Michigan, and it's accessible from us, and it's beautiful, and it's gorgeous. And of course, we love the shoreline of the Great Lakes and Lake Michigan. Or for those of us that live in or near Marshall, most of us would say we love the nativity scene in the middle of the, the fountain circle downtown, that there's this beautiful nativity scene. And every time around this year, we just have this reminder as we drive through town about God's love for us. Most of us, certainly me, would say that we love Christmas cookies just because Christmas cookies are lovable and they're delicious. And they're just, I can't wait to get home even as I'm talking about them because some things are just lovable. But what about the things that aren't as easy to love because they're not always lovable? And then there is the love of, what are we talking about when John talks about love? Is it the love that we know in the world, or is it a different kind of love? The truth is, is that this is a different kind of love that John is talking about. This isn't the kind of love that the world operates by. This isn't the kind of love this, that, that the world embraces. This is the kind of love that is love of another kind that comes because Jesus showed up on the scene, and God proves his love time and time again through the life of Christ. You know, when I was uh, young, most of you know that are listening that Claire and I, we got married when we were 18. Claire had just turned 19. The truth is we really didn't know each other very well. We, we remember our premarital counseling uh, the, the priest that was going to do our service asked us the question in premarital counseling separately, how many children do you want? I think I said six, Claire said zero. Be, and, and I don't think either one of us really had thought about the question, but we laughed about it later and said, we haven't talked about some pretty important things. But we didn't care. We were in love and we were getting ready to get married. We felt this love for one another that was just important. So anyway, we, we brought that into our marriage. When we were first married, here's the house. I got a picture of the house that Claire and I lived in on Burke Street in River Rouge, Michigan. So we paid $100 a month, and it was worth every penny of it. My grandmother also lived there with us, but that's where it all started for Claire and I. But we didn't know everything about each other. We didn't know all the questions of our history, but we tried to know as much as we could when we got started. One thing that I wasn't really familiar with was about some, some of Claire's possessions. It was funny, I, we were at a wedding shortly before we got married. Uh, one of my former baseball coaches told me, he said, Scott, make sure you get a prenuptial agreement before you marry Claire. And I kind of chuckled and I thought, Prenuptial for what? I mean, we don't have anything. I know that much. When I proposed to Claire, I said, let me take you away from this prosperity, and I have fulfilled that promise for Claire. But anyway, in those early days, it was amazing. We just loved each other, but we didn't know a lot, and we were finding out about each other. Well, one of the things that I didn't know and I was about to find out was that Claire, when she was a really little girl, her dad bought her two uh, bought her a Raggedy Ann and Andy doll from uh, a housekeeper, a, a cleaning person at the company that he worked at, and it was a handmade Raggedy Ann and Andy. She loved these dolls, apparently, and she carried them everywhere and slept with them and just enjoyed them. Anyway, uh, 
fast forward a couple of years, and Claire is playing with a couple of her friends. She's about eight years old, and she literally burns the house down. In the fire, the, the dolls are part of the destruction of the house being burned down, at least partially being burned down. And they would have to leave this house and live in a Howard Johnson hotel while the house got restored. While they moved into the, to the Howard Johnson, apparently Claire began to cry every night, missing this dowel. So her siblings and her family, they all kind of got together and said, this isn't good. This, we, we need to uh, help Claire out here. She's, just, she's the youngest of the family. She loves these dolls. What can we do? This is too much of a loss for her. So anyway, they decide to send Jim, the oldest son. Jim was about 16. He goes down to J.L. Hudson's, downtown Detroit, and drives his Valiant in parks where he shouldn't have parked. Anyway, the story goes that he gets his car towed. He goes in. He buys a Raggedy Ann and he comes out, 16-year-old guy. you got to imagine, this is the... the uh, actually probably late 60s, or definitely no longer than uh, early 70s, standing on the street in front of J.L. Hudson's downtown Detroit with a Raggedy Ann and Andy Dow, long hair, and of course he gets propositioned while he's standing there. That's part of the story. But anyway, John or Jim and the family, they just love Claire. And there's no doubt that they're a devoted family. It's just not clear on how wise all of this was. So fast forward 10 years, Claire continues her journey now from eight years till now I come onto the scene and all of this Raggedy Ann and Andy story is a part of her story. And it's, they're a part of her journey and the breakups and the, the meeting people and the, the good things that happen in life and the difficulty that happen in life for a teenager. She goes through that process. We get married. We move into the house on Burke Street. And then um, I decide that we need to streamline because we had so many possessions. I thought we're going to go through everything that doesn't need to be around here and clean it up. We're going to, like, streamline our goods. We have so many things. And, of course, I looked at the Raggedy Ann and Andy, and I thought, this is, these are just old, ratted-out dolls, rag dolls, beaten up, not worth keeping around. So I did what any 18-year-old uh, young married man would do. I threw the dolls out. It wasn't too long after that that Claire asked, where are the Raggedy Ann and Andy doll? Did you ever have one of those feelings that you threw something out or you did something and you knew in an instant you, you're, you're, you're like your options are limited? Like, what do I do here? I know this is trouble. It seems like this is more important. But to me, those dolls, there was no value to them. They weren't expensive, in my opinion. It didn't look like they were expensive. They were worn out. They were ragged. They weren't attractive. I kind of, in the, the world standards of how things should be loved or valued, it didn't seem like they were worth anything, so I threw them out. This is where you're supposed to say, I would have thrown them out too, Scott. I found out that to love Claire was to love these dolls. Claire's raggedy Ann and Andy, I will never live down. And it made me learn a lesson as I look back now that I'm older that this is the Jesus kind of love. This is how Jesus loves us. 
See, the world's love looks for a reason to love, right? The reason might be wealth or resources. It might be fame. It might be influence or stature. It might be position or attractiveness. The world runs on the kind of love that is quid pro quo. I got to tell you, and this is not a political comment, but I kind of chuckled when our president was brought out for quid pro quo. I thought the world runs on quid pro quo. And in some ways, maybe we're all guilty at times of it. But anyway, the world runs on that kind of love. You scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. You give me something, I'll give you something back. But I was learning as a young man that this kind of love, not only that my wife was teaching me, but that Jesus was teaching me, was a lot different. See, Jesus' kind of love, virtuous love, some would call it agape love, creates value in the one that is loved. The value doesn't come until the thing is loved. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. This is the lesson of the beauty and the beast. A thing must be loved before it is lovable. That's God's love. So John shows us here a couple of things about God's love. He shows us that God's love is bestowed or inherited. It's not earned. It's given to us. It's not earned in any way. See, earned love, the problem with earned love is our value becomes based on capacity and gifts. Outside of God's love, there can't be true love. When you hear somebody say that, some people say that's nonsense. But when you begin to think about it, you realize that outside of the love of God... It really isn't true love because there's nothing in our humanity, in our human system, outside of God's love for us, that gives us something to kind of hang our hat on when it comes to love. Because if love is about, I have to earn it, or I have to, it depends on my capacity, or it depends on my gifts, then what that means is if my capacity in any way begins to lessen, or my gifts begin to in any way depart from me, or the resources that I have, if that's why I'm loved, when I begin to have those things diminish in my life, maybe when I get older or whatever, if I have a, if I have a disability that happens, whatever might happen, then that would say that love diminishes. But that's not how God's love is. See, love and worth are bestowed on us, according to John here. It's inherited because we're created, when the scripture says we're created in the image of God, that is our, our inherited love from God. God loved us before we loved God. God loved us while we were still in the womb of our mother. That's why when we hear a statement like all people are created equal, we resonate with it. Not because of anything any human can offer to us, but because God loves us. God loves every person. Not because you're wealthy. Not because you have an ability. Not because you're smart. Not because you're creative. Not because you have cars or clothes or possessions or or a beautiful family or your IQ is wonderful. That can be tremendous. It is a blessing. Those are gifts. It's amazing. But this is about God's love at its core. 
John says, and I repeat what he says in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That's why Mother Teresa would say, you have never laid eyes on someone who is not loved by God. It isn't conditional in any way. It's inherited Shortly after the Raggedy Ann and Andy incident, within months, within about a year and a half, Claire and I would have our first child, Sarah. And if you're a parent, you know this moment when, when your baby is born and it is, it is inexplainable how you can love a person that has done absolutely nothing for you, hasn't done a chore hasn't earned a nickel, hasn't done anything, and you immediately would give your life for that person. Don't dare mess with that newborn baby. And it, it, it isn't just with one of your children, it's with everyone, and you have this, it's miraculous how you can love someone so deeply. That's a bestowed love. That's an inherited love. That's how God feels about us on steroids, that immediately when God dreamed you up and dreamed me up, he had this deep love for us. John also talks here about God's love, this virtuous agape love, it's generous. This is what he says. He says, this is love, not that we love God. In other words, John says, it's no surprise that we love God. You, 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 you're, you're making a mistake if you don't love God. God has everything to offer, and quite frankly, I don't, right? It's like it's all in your favor to love God. So that's not the surprise. He says, that's, this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to also love one another. John says, God gave everything in order to take care of any inadequacy any of us has. That's love. That's generous love. Then, I love how he ends it. He says, since God loved us, shouldn't we love? We should love one another. To truly love, John is saying here, is to give. John basically is saying what Jesus communicates is love me, love people. We ought to also love one another. You ever wonder, you ever wonder why there's this, Jaquiel said it during the, during the announcements, this is the season of giving. Do you ever wonder why that is? Do you ever wonder, did you know that Almost a third of all charitable giving is done in December. Some of us think that it's done that way because of the tax benefits of people giving things away. And I'm sure that's true for some people. But the reality of it is, is in December, the reality, the advent of Christ, Jesus coming to earth and proving love to us. Proving his love to us. It's inspiring. It it produces generosity of spirit. 
we give more in December because we're probably paying more attention to this amazing gift of God's love. Stacy said the scripture in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, he generously gave his son, that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. The reason that we're inspired to give to the food pantry is because of God's love. The reason we're inspired to try to help educate children in Haiti is because of God's love. It creates a generosity in us. It's God's love working in you when you, when you try to help people that are bound up in slavery. We, can't, we know we can't do everything as people, but we can do something, right? And the reason it wells up so clearly in December is because this season more than any, right, wrong, or indifferent, we are more aware of God's love for us and God's generosity to us than any other season. So you give. Receive God's love and give God's love. Receive God's inherent blessing in your life, love, and pass it out. Receive the generosity of God and give God's generosity out through your own life. Now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you've never accepted that gift, the gift of Jesus coming to the earth to offer forgiveness for all of our sin, for all of our inadequacies, know this, that as we pray, you can invite Jesus into your life today. You can receive the gift that's offered and stays offered always. But to realize the love of God in a new, fresh way. And for those of us that have already done that as we pray, I just want you to renew receiving the love of God in your life. Know that you have been bestowed the love of God on your life. Know that you have been poured out in a generous way the love of God into your life. So God, even now as we pray, I pray for my friends that maybe for the first time would accept your love in their life. That they would be aware of just how much you love them. That you've stopped at no thing to pour out your love into each one of our lives. So I pray, God, for my friends that have not received that before, that they would do that as they do that and pray even now, that you would pour forth your love in a fresh way into their life, in a way that they would be aware of for the first time. And for the rest of us, God, those that have been aware of your love for us. God, we once again, we're just so grateful. We open our lives to your amazing generosity. There is no good thing that you would keep from us. And God, even as you pour your love into our lives, let us love one another. 
with a love that can only come from you. this Christmas be full of the presence of God and that wherever you are, uh, whether you celebrate alone with Christ or uh, with us online, we hope you will, or with those in your family, we pray that there would be a profound sense of the love of God and that you would just look at one another and say, I just bestow on you my love, right? And um, and if you haven't bought your kids a gift yet, a Raggedy Ann and Andy, you just can't imagine how comfortable they are to sleep with. And uh, and so we, we do, we bless you. We invite you to worship with us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And we just say, let the name of the Lord rise up from the people of God in all the places that you go. Yes. Amen. 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 Yay, Lord, we...